Hey everyone, I'm Johnny. I'm Victoria. Welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook. And we'll rank each book in a variety of categories, including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. This week's featured cookbook is... Flavor by Yodam Autolenghi and Ista Belfridge. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Victoria. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Woo. Welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Um, per usual, let me take care of a few things here. Do it. All right. Uh, if you go to our webpage um, and click on the store tab, that will direct you to a couple of Amazon.com affiliate links where we have uh, both a list for kitchen essentials for home cooks as well as cookbooks. And these are things that we love. Uh, we don't get paid by any of the vendors to uh, endorse their products. These are just things that we use on an everyday basis. We think you'll enjoy them too. And if you make a purchase, it doesn't cost you anything more. We get a few cents in return, and uh, it helps support what we're doing here. So thank you for that. And thanks for everyone that's been tuning in. This has been uh, steadily going in the right direction, mm -hmm. and uh, it's been kind of fun to crunch the numbers and see see it uh, grow into something. Crunch the numbers. You pull yep. them up on your phone. <laughs> Sounds more important <laughs> when I word it that way. <laughs> All right. Uh, you want to talk about what we just finished up? Yes, we just finished Amboy by Alvin Kalin. Filipino cuisine. Mm -hmm. um, it was a ride. It was. Uh, we are actually, we'll talk about that in a second, but we're actually doing the last dish from the book that we chose tonight, which will make seven total from mm -hmm. that book, which is kind of a stretch for us. Normally, we try and pick anywhere from like five to seven Dishes. Well, seven is a lot yeah. for us, I think. It was a lot. I mean, it wasn't all dinner meals, so you know there was like a little bit of baking involved and stuff. So, oh yeah, yeah, all of, those kind buns. Of made sense. Mm. No, we'll, we'll talk about this in a future episode. <laughs> uh, so that's what we just finished. Um, we are also currently working our way through the PDT cocktail book by Jim uh, Meehan and uh, illustrations by Chris Gall. It's been kind of a fun book. Really it enjoying it. It's from 2011, so this one we've had on our shelf for a long time. I know you've made drinks out of it before, yeah, but it's not something that we usually we're just kind of a throw shit together and like believe that it's going to taste good, and it usually does. So. This is this has been kind of fun because we we normally limit our drinking to just weekends, like most normal non-alcoholic people do. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we've been really leaning into the cocktail books lately and just making it kind of a special thing, at least, you know, for the, the first cocktail of the evening. Yes. Just so, you know, And then we're just drinking like $3 bottles of wine after that because, you know, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> $3 bottles Falling down of wine. YouTube rabbit holes and <laughs> watching dumb stuff. God, you make us sound boring. I know. <laughs> we make they're, our we make our own fun. They're boring winos. <laughs> yep. So, been working our way through that. That is, uh, we're gonna make a drink from that a little later on after the after the episode. Um, most importantly, though, what's for dinner tonight? Um, we're doing uh, fish sarcedo. Shakshuka style. Um, fish sar sarcedo just means like fish cooked in sauce, which is like 
um, usually like eggs and tomatoes. Um, but this is going to be shakshuka style and it is with salmon. Yes. Woo. Yeah. So for, I don't know if, I know that I've mentioned it before, but I don't, I've always felt like I hated salmon. I mean, I've eaten it multiple times. I worked in a restaurant where I cooked it endlessly every night. And I remember when we used to go to brunch at Joseph and Shannon's and they would always have like this beautiful salmon filet. Yep. And I never had the the guts to tell them that I hated salmon. You know, you just kind of pick around it because you were just being polite. (laughs) And then I think finally, at some point- It came out. The secret came out. (laughs) It was in all the tabloids. And they're like, oh, we're so sorry. Area woman hates salmon. (laughs) And they were like, oh, all this time we've been trying to feed you salmon. Yeah. But anyway, so we had made a cornmeal crusted salmon and uh, we got sent some salmon from this company called No Seafood, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it. It didn't have like you. The reason why I don't like salmon is because to me it tastes just very oily and heavy. Yeah, and this did not taste like that. So we're gonna give it a second second go around. You know what fish that we really like? I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm asking as if the listeners are sitting here in the in the kitchen with <laughs> I us. I wonder what fish um, they like. Basa. Yes. Which is a catfish variety native to Southeast Asia. Which is and it's funny. It's very be- cheap. Mm-hmm. It's very um, sturdy, firm, It is. Yet light. For, a, for a white fish, yes. It's gorgeous. And, you know, I, I tend not to like catfish because I feel like it tastes... Muddy? Muddy, yeah. But... This is great. Oh, yum, yum. I mean, it's swimming out in that... Uh, Awesome Southeast Asian waters, not like some junky river with tires in it and stuff. Well, there's probably tires too. It's hard to avoid these days. Right. So yeah, so that's what's on deck for dinner. And uh, before we dive into this flavor book, um, today's show topic, and we put this out to the listeners on Instagram, so thanks to everyone that submitted their answers. Uh, What's the oldest kitchen tool that you use? And uh, you want to start with some of the listener Yes. Suggestions um, first. At Maxwell Gregory 2018 said wooden spoon and my KitchenAid mixer. It's 25 years old. Um, go ahead. Same with us, I think, for right. a KitchenAid yeah. mixer. Ours I, I, is super old. Yeah, we were trying to determine when we received that. I think it was probably as a gift, but I guess it speaks to the quality of it. I only had to rip it apart once <laughs> and fix it, as you might have heard on a previous episode. Um, chopsticks meet fork, uh, said her grandma's kitchen scissors. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is I like nice. That. Um, my culinary fix said uh, mortar and pestle. Okay. Another good one. Mm-hmm. Um, the cookbook shelf said my great grandma's rolling pin. Ah, uh, yep. No, I'm sure they're not alone in that. And then uh, let's see, Yasmataz, Chicago. Hi, Yas. Uh, said it's spatula. One word, spatula. <laughs> Maybe a family heirloom, <laughs> perhaps. The passing of the spatula. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Um, and then Nicholas Forgy said a pastry cutter passed down for my grandmother. Oh, yeah. I, I love that all these things are being passed down for yeah. grandmas. Lots of mojo in that pastry cutter, I'm sure. <laughs> that pastry cutter has seen some things. Yep. Um, you want to talk about our picks? Yeah, for us, um, we have an apple core that is 
Super vintage. Yeah. Wooden handle. (laughs) Sharp, pointy blade that probably wouldn't be legal today. Oh, my gosh. That thing terrifies me every time I have to use it. I'm afraid I'm going to stab myself. And normally, I'm not a fan of like these single-purpose kitchen gadgets. But, you know, that thing is kind of necessary. It is. So... Well, We've, it cuts we, down on waste. I mean, you can cut around the core, but yeah. so. So we have one mm-hmm. and we picked it up in an antique store. And our flower sifter is also vintage. Antique. Mm-hmm. Um, did you did you get that at Secret Treasures? Probably. Yeah. There used to be a little cute antique store around the corner from where we had a shop and that's where we would I'd bop in there and they always had like little small like kitchen gadgets like that mm-hmm. and pick that one up. Probably because I f- felt we needed one. It was like, hey, flower sifter. Yeah, we didn't it's have a dollar one. <laughs> or something. And then uh, I, I also uh, asked my mom, Shirley. Oh, hey, Called Cheryl. her today. And uh, I figured she'd have some good insight to this. And um, she has two crock pots, like most moms do. <laughs> you don't just have one of something. You got to have like eight. So she's got two crock pots that belong to her parents. That were that were inherited, I guess. Wow. So yeah. And they're still going. Huh. Yeah. She also has an egg cup from her grandmother. So it'd be like my great grandma. And it's an egg cup. Okay. When's the last time you saw one of those? I mean, they still sell them. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if my mom ever uses it. I should ask her. But uh I don't picture your mom like boiling up eggs and eating them. No. Not out of an egg cup. No. Um, we have a slow cooker that we inherited when we bought our house here. Yeah, it was, it was, it was in the cupboard of the center island. Yeah. And there was um, there was a blue mug with uh, snowflakes on it that I used until I think I dropped it and the handle broke off. Did you have some of that $3 wine in there? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. No. Oh, we inherited a fridge, too. I don't know if that cr- cl- classifies as a kitchen tool, but we have a fridge downstairs that we affectionately refer to as the beer fridge. <laughs> but now I think it's we don't really drink beer much anymore. No. So like it, now it's kind of... It's full of uh, fizzy water. It's like our overstock. It is our overflow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's in there? Water, mm-hmm. like uh, mineral water. Uh, Gatorade. Gatorade. For those nights after the $3 bottle of wine. Okay, um, we are not drinking <laughs> $3 bottles of wine. Although, you know, I next time we go to Trader Joe's, I want to pick up the um, organic Shaw. Because I've, you, you know, it's like the organic version. Is that the fancy of, stuff? It's artisanal? It's, is it's it $6? More? No, oh, okay. it is $3.99. Okay. But we have never... I mean, we used to drink two buck chuck all the time. We did. Um, we would buy it by the case. Yes, back in our younger <laughs> years. Um, I will say that stuff makes great cooking wine. It does. So, like, we keep bottles of that in the pantry mm-hmm. just for you know when you need those and recipe calls for it. And you know, I know there's probably some debate about whether you should be using cheap wine for cooking, but I'm firmly in the camp that says go for the cheap stuff as long as it doesn't taste like total garbage. Yeah. But, you know, like, I mean, I drink three buck Chuck, so. Yeah. Is it two buck or three buck Chuck? I think it used to be two. Okay. I don't know what it is now. And then, it, then it was three. I, I think it's two ninety nine a bottle now, and then the Shaw Organic is three ninety nine. So when you want to splurge, you go for the 4 <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, hush your mouth. So what else do we have in our fridge? Oh, and then the I probably the biggest thing that comes in handy with that fridge is the freezer because like we keep our stock down there that we make from scratch. If we have any like leftovers that we want to freeze. Yeah. So we've got that kind of stuff down there. It's usually where I put my uh uh fruit that I make up for smoothies. (laughs) He'll buy like tons and tons of fruit and then he'll have a fruit cutting day yep. where he cuts all all of his fruit into a big giant stock pot, mm-hmm. mixes it up, puts it in um, gallon bags, like lays them out in gallon bags on a sheet tray and then freezes those so that all he has to do is just break off a hunk for his smoothies in yep. the morning. Yeah. And it's way, way cheaper than buying Oh my God. Frozen fruit frozen is ridiculously fruit. Yeah. expensive. A little bag that's probably not even a pound is like 14 bucks uh-huh. or something. Outrageous. I'll cut my own fruit. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, our pots and pans, like our main oh, cookware right. set is, we got it, uh, I think we got it as a Christmas present from your from your dad. Probably like the only good present that we've ever. <laughs> Are you talking about the emerald stuff? Yes. I thought that was a wedding gift. Was it a wedding I, I'm gift? I'm pretty sure it was a wedding gift. Okay. So at this point, it's like 22 years old. Yeah. And it was this Emerald branded cookware. And I, we I, I guess at the time, my dad probably was like, oh, you guys cook, kind of. Food like, Network. Yeah, like <laughs> so. Emerald, bam, that kind of thing. And, <laughs> and But to our surprise, that stuff was like one of the very early celebrity endorsed products. And it is good, it's all good clad. quality. Yes. It's stamped all clad on it's the bottom. It's great. So we got some all-clad cookware set that we still use to this day. It has served us well. That was probably a fraction of the price. Yeah. So, And then also there's some uh, random all-clad pan. It's a saucepan that we have that I think I took from my mom like the first time I moved out of the house. There you go. Like, Yeah, we have a lot of things like that, like rolling pins and wooden spoons that I know we did not go buy. <laughs> yeah. They're just, they just... It's stuff that you take from your parents yep. when you move out of the house and you just hold on to them. Leave with a big duffel bag every time <laughs> I come up. Like, Bring my laundry over there to wash laundry and then leave with a duffel bag full of rolling pins and wooden spoons. Pick up some uh, spaghetti stained Tupperware on yep. your way out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we still have that. All right. All right. So, Got anything else? Uh, I don't think so. I All think right. we should move on to this beautiful book yes otolenghi flavor he's done it again we love you good night everyone thanks for listening (laughs) now this was this otolenghi has the distinction of being the only author that we've featured three times Mm -hmm. on our cooking the books uh instagram so this was the third book we featured um and like the other two we really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. um he knows how to write a good cookbook He's, this isn't his first rodeo. Um, what was what were your standouts from the from the well, recipes that we did from the book? What we made, we made a ro- it's a celery root two ways. It's roasted and pickled celery root with a sweet uh, chili dressing, mm-hmm. and we made a lime and coconut potato gratin. Yep, and we also made a white bean mash with garlic aioli, and then we did. Uh, the ultimate roasting pan ragu, and then there was a spicy mushroom lasagna. 
And an oh, el- and dish. yes, and leeks with miso and chive sauce. That was probably the most beautiful dish that we yes, made and photographed. I think I, I actually really liked the lasagna a ton. Yeah, and I love the celery. And it was round. It was a round lasagna, yes, right? But I, I, that was the one thing that I had a problem with was you would <laughs> you're having to break up all the noodles so you're and not, stuff. You're to, not firmly in the round lasagna. I am camp. not. I prefer. Okay. It, well, just because you know it's easier to fit in the pan. Million dollar idea. Round lasagna noodles. Yeah, right. What do you think? Well, I mean, you. I guess you could like make a pasta dough and just roll it out by you hand. Have to make little for like, forever half moon shapes or something. <laughs> I really like the white bean mash with the garlic aioli and the and the white beans. Like uh, beans in general are not something that we eat a lot of, mm-hmm. and they get a few different treatments in that dish. Like some of them get pureed and then others are left whole and, and kind of form a topping on there. So I really enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that kind of speaks to the spirit of the book where you're taking these ingredients and giving them like sometimes a couple different treatments in a recipe. And then you can kind of see like how just maybe changing something texturally or like how you cook it really makes it, not only look different, but sometimes taste different too, Mm -hmm. especially in the case of that celery root dish. Oh, you know, it's so funny because I I feel like a lot of people don't really give celery much of a thought Mm -hmm. or even, you know, or celery root too, as well. Like, I feel like people think it's kind of just like there. Yeah. It's something that you put in your stuffing or whatever. It doesn't have much flavor, but man, the celery root was, you roast it to the point of like, it kind of- How long of, did we roast that? It was a long time. I don't remember. Several but hours. Was it several hours? Yeah. But it just kind of gets to the point where it's like collapsing in on itself mm-hmm. and it's got this lovely caramelized, oh, it's so good. Yes. I'm going to have to make that again. Right? And then the, the sweet chili dressing- all that flavor is it's a flavor bomb. Like yes. he he in his book he has um like condiments that he'll call that he calls flavor bombs. Yep. And they just elevate it's a big everything. component of the book. Mm-hmm. Um and and there was actually a time when they were working on the book when the working title was gonna be Odalengi F bomb. <laughs> and then they were like, nah, we, we yeah, can't, you can't do, that. do that. But and so basically though, they do describe in the book that this is like Plenty number three, uh-huh. um, as a companion to both plenty and plenty more. So, oh, and I have to say, the lime potato, uh, lime coconut p- potato gr- gratin. Mm-hmm. Who, like, who in the world thinks to put coconut in potatoes and thinks it's going to be delicious? And it is. Oh my god! Is I mean, I, maybe a ten-year-old Johnny would have thought that, but it wouldn't have been good. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. Just. Some of the things that he comes up with in the in this book, like, I'm a big fan of the crispy aromatics too. Mm-hmm. They they were featured in two of the dishes that we made, and so you you take uh, I think it was like garlic, ginger, scallions, thinly sliced, and they you fry them, and then that forms kind of like a garnish for the top of the dish. Um, so it adds some nice visual interest as well as textural component, and. Uh, I liked it. I was a big fan. 
And can I just say the writing in this book? Gorgeous. It made me dizzy. It was so beautiful. I've because I spent some time with the book this morning. I kind of like rediscovered it, and yeah. I was just reading all these sections and just talking about how you look at a mushroom and you just see a mushroom, but you don't realize all the stuff that's going on behind the scenes and under the ground. And oh, the writing is. Gorgeous. So there's a, a website that I follow, and I believe it's called Eat Your Books or Eat Your Words. And um, they compiled a year-end list of all the you know top 10 cookbooks. It's called Eat Your Books. And they, they maybe we were on, in on that list too, but they, they took about 300 like best of lists from last year and kind of ranked everything. And uh, flavor was the the top one. I'm not surprised. Yeah. And if you've listened to our episode um, of the top cookbooks of uh, 2020, you'll know that that was in both of our top five uh-huh. and um, well-deserved. It's kind of funny though, because looking through the book again today, I was just like, oh, maybe this should have been my favorite. Well, and we could have easily chose completely different dishes. And, you know, this might be one that would be a good candidate for just like a, a round two and we could make like completely different things, and Absolutely. I'm sure they would be equally as awesome as the ones that we chose. I wouldn't be opposed to doing that either. Yeah. We might we might have to look at that. Oh, I don't know if we talked about um, earlier, like what we're what we're doing next. Oh, we're actually that, that's kind of important. We're taking a week off this week. <laughs> we're going to do some recipe development and maybe. I, I can't wait to go to like to go to a grocery store like a normal person and look. Look at what's available and what's beautiful and get and some be inspiration. Inspired. Yeah, yeah. Like, I cannot wait. I've, I'm so excited. You have it's no so different idea. different than what we're used to. So, yeah. And it will, I mean, obviously, we will have to do some photographing if we're doing recipe development. Yep. But, but there are going to be some nights where we. <laughs> Hey, we don't want to just keep reviewing other people's cookbooks for the rest of our lives. We want to have our own out there at some point. So, got to get to work. Right? Can't just whip that out in a weekend. <laughs> no, you cannot. All right. Should we talk about rankings of this book? Yes. Let's I don't do think it. this will come as any surprise uh-huh. to listeners. So, uh, the first category would be food photography and styling. What'd you have, Victoria? I gave it a five. Yep. Um, it was vi- the colors are so vibrant. And beautiful. Um, Jonathan Lovekin is the photographer. Jonathan, you blew this out of the water. Yep. So gorgeous. And I, I think he's a frequent creative partner with Odalangi. So you like what you see in, in his books. He's got, a, he's got a great team. Yep. Man. I agree. Well, and it's the people around you. You know, he's so successful and he just, he's so smart because he surrounds himself with a really good team. Yeah. Um. But anyway, um, there's some like step-by-step photos, mm-hmm. which I always appreciate because, you know, I'm more of a visual person than mm-hmm. a read it and do it or hear it and do it. Yeah. Um, and the food photographs are just really simple, close-up, uh, beautiful. Yeah, I had a mix of both completed dishes as well as kind of like in-process um, is kind of a mix of those. There's also some great candid photos featuring the authors preparing, cooking, and eating the meals, sometimes with others. Yes, I, I absolutely style. love that. Um, 
the the aesthetic of the final plates um i would say well you could speak to this better because you're taking all the photographs but kind of serves as inspiration for our photographs not to say that we're copying them but like it had a, a similar aesthetic with just like the the backdrop surfaces and then like you know kind of minimal maybe they'd have like a, a cool fork or a cool linen or something yeah. but otherwise it was just kind of stripped down and not a lot of i mean i could aspire i could only aspire to be that good you don't give yourself enough credit <laughs> nah. you're did, awesome Thede. oh well thank you what, um, did, what did you give it Balmer? i gave it a five mm, no course. surprise yeah um design and layout would be the next category I gave it a five. I loved how this was laid out. Yep. Um, well, first it started with um, there's a, he there's a section where he talks about flavors that he uses, mm-hmm. and then there and then there's the book is broken down into several sections. The first one is like process, the cooking process, like charring. Um, browning um and it, it well and it talks about like how and what it does to the uh, flavor and then there's also infusing and aging and then there is another recipe section that is pairings and that's like um it's just pairing different flavors like sweetness fat acidity chili heat and then there is another section that is produce which is um, mushrooms, alliums, nuts and seeds, and sugar. Mm-hmm. It's it's. I just love these little modules that he broke it down into, and so basically, it's this very concentrated. This is what happens when you do when you cook this way, right? Or when you well and make things this way. I think it kind of expands on because I, I I think a lot of these books endeavor to try and like get people to think of cooking in like new ways uh-huh. and how you can keep things simple yet use these different techniques and flavors to really enhance what you're making. And it's kind of that whole salt, fat, acid, heat uh-huh. concept or, you know, Nick Sharma has the uh, flavor, flavor equation. equation, which we've yet to get to, but it's it seems from what I've read like kind of a similar concept where it's just kind of reimagining ways to cook mm-hmm. and getting people to kind of think that way, and and that's really clever. Um, did you mention the illustrations <gasps> by Nishant Chaksky? Oh, Chaksy? I hope I'm pronouncing that right. The illustrations are so adorable. Yeah, and they're they're kind of scattered throughout the book, and they're really clever. And, and a lot of people don't use those, and they, no. they should do it more because it kind of it makes a nice companion to whatever photographs you have inside too. There's a cute little one of an eggplant. Like it looks like he's like laying out sunning himself, but he's under the broiler of an oven. It's so. Getting, getting charred. <laughs> it's so adorable. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed too, there's a companion app that you can get from the Odalengi website um, that has like all the recipes. You There's a code in each book, like a unique code so they can kind of track it and prevent like, you know, abuse Okay, so why it. have you been withholding this information it's from It's right the there in the book, lady. <laughs> so yeah, so you download this app and then you have access to all the recipes on the device of your choice as well as uh some other features that i didn't really explore yet but um i thought that was a really 
really unique and kind of clever companion yeah, to the book. I'm, I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. Um, so for my notes, I had most recipes are only one page in length, mm-hmm. very easy to navigate and understand. Um, there wasn't really a set like format for the layout because it mixes like photos of like various sizes and mm-hmm. placements. And so you could be paging through the book and there would be like a full double page kind of like food porn centerfold mm-hmm. for lack of a better <laughs> word. Like, oh, charred eggplant. And then, you know, you go to the next page and it's got a few smaller photos next to the recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we mentioned that flavor bomb section already. Um, there's also some meal suggestions and feasts in the back of the book, which I thought was kind of interesting. So say you're cooking from this book, you're enjoying everything. You want to maybe get some inspiration for like a special, you know, three course meal, or maybe like, uh, you're looking for something that's like, uh, a Sunday roast kind of situation or like an outdoor dining. Like he's got all these suggestions in the back. And I, I really appreciate that, you know, because sometimes if I'm trying to plan something special, my wheels will get spinning so much and I just start throwing all this stuff out there. And I think ultimately it does m- myself a disservice. Yeah. So well, <laughs> he's got you. He's helping you out. Anything else under design and layout? Um, no, I, right. I give it a five as well. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this will be the interesting one. Degree of difficulty. I gave it a three. It's middle of the road. I mean, Samesies. there's like n- nothing n- like there are no new cooking techniques that were in there that I've never done before. I don't think, I mean, some of the dishes will take a little bit of time and have a few different little components, Yeah, but you know. Yeah, I said uh, it was kind of an easy, uh, even mix of both easy and advanced. Um, I don't think there was anything too complex. Um, it's probably not a beginner cookbook. No. But any competent cook should be able to easily navigate this book and not have any issues. Well, and there was nothing in there that... Um, and I'm including myself in that competent cook <laughs> you should. category. Yeah, there was, no, there was not a recipe in there where I looked at it and I'd be like, no, I wouldn't want to make this. Yeah. And the the ones that do take more time, so what? It's going to be so worth it. Yeah. Like, the payoff is going to be big. Well, and like we said before, this is not his first cookbook. He has a test kitchen mm-hmm. in London with a staff, for crying out loud. Yeah. So you know all these recipes have been, like, meticulously researched and tested. You, there's not going to be any errors in the cookbook. Or, you know, things that just don't work out or things that you'd want to, like, do differently. So, uh, kudos for having such a well-researched book. Yes. I would say. So, yeah, I gave it a three as well. Okay. Last category, taste. (laughs) Five. Yes. I mean, yeah. I don't understand. He just makes food into something beautiful. Like, I've... It's I'm in awe of him. It's deceptively simple yet really well conceived. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just simple 
grandma home cooking kind of thing, which is awesome in its own right. But I mean, he just puts these clever spins and combines these ingredients that you wouldn't necessarily think of. Yeah. You're just like, wait, where did that come from? How do you, how do you conceptualize some of these things? Yeah. Um, I gave it a five as well. No surprise. (laughs) Ooh, big surprise. All right. So, um, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review it. Uh, you can find us on the web at wecookbooks.com. Uh, our Instagram is at we underscore cook underscore books. And our Facebook is at we cook books. Um, production assistance was provided by Danny Schaefer. Thank you, Danny. All right. Uh, you know what time it is. Make me laugh. Joke time. Uh, what do you call a train full of bubble gum? A choo-choo train. <laughs> Did you get that from a Joe Bazooka? <laughs> Probably. <rapper? laughs> I'll, I'll do better next time. I promise. Everyone stay safe. Yep. Thanks Wear for listening. Have a fantastic week. Bye.